We continue to look at the foundational book of Scripture, the book of Genesis. And today we come to chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, as we see the schemes of the devil. Genesis 3, verses 1 through 6, and we read in Jesus' name. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die. For God knows that in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise. She took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Let's pray. Father, thank you today that we can come and gather around your word. And thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the victor. We are more than conquerors through you, Lord Jesus, who loved us so. But we know that we have an enemy of our soul, one who throws his flaming arrows at us, one who comes with deceitful schemes. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. But thank you, Lord Jesus, that in you we have victory. So teach us, we pray. As we look into your word this morning, guide us into your truth, Lord. We believe that your word is everlasting truth. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I don't know if you've ever been hit by a BB from a BB gun, but I can tell you from personal experience that it hurts. Uh, when I was younger, we had this little game that I would not advise. I'm glad a lot of our youth are not here this morning because they might think I'm doing this. But we used to put a football helmet on, and then um, we'd run up the pathway, and we had, well, there's us three boys. You'd have two with BB guns and one running. And if you got hit in the head with the, the helmet on, it wasn't a big deal. You just heard kind of a t- hit off your, your helmet. But I discovered if you get hit in the back of the neck, or if you get hit in the back of the arm, or in the back of the leg, or in the middle of the back, it stung a little bit. Some of you are shaking your heads with looks on your faces like, you must have been really dumb when you were younger. Yeah, we were. And I would bet that some of you probably did some dumb things too, right? Anybody here that didn't do anything dumb when they were young? Yeah, my brother, my brother raised his hand. He was the one that was shooting me with the BB gun. I needed more than a helmet to be protected from the flaming arrows of my older brothers. But you know, our battle is not against flesh and blood, is it? Uh, Ephesians 6, Paul describes it. It is against the schemes of the devil. The spiritual forces of wickedness, it is against the flaming arrows of the evil one. And if we are going to stand in this battle, we need to put on the full armor of God. And we must not be ignorant of the devil's schemes. 
Paul writes in to the letter to the Corinthians, we were not ignorant of his devices. And if you want to know what his devices are, you go right back to Genesis chapter 3 because he operates the same way today. As we will see in this passage of Scripture, just as he tempted Adam and Eve, he tempts us with the same temptation. So what are the devil's schemes? Well, first of all, Satan tempts us to doubt God's Word. When Satan brought his temptation to Adam and Eve, notice how he focused on Eve. Verse 1, The serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? I believe Satan had a couple of reasons why he addressed Eve rather than Adam. For one thing, God's command given to Adam was given to him first that they were not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil before Eve was created. We go back to chapter 2, verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you will surely die. And it was after that then that Eve was created, and so Satan may have figured he had an in here. Eve probably heard of the command through Adam, and so maybe he thought, hmm, I'm going to attack through Eve. Another reason Satan addressed Eve instead of Adam was perhaps to bypass God's chain of authority. Maybe he could get to Adam through Eve, so he came to Eve, and the first thing he did was to ask a question. Notice it started with a question. Did God really say, Can you trust His Word? Did He really mean what He said? As if God's Word is subject to our judgment. As if we should ever question what God says. Now, Satan wants us to do that, doesn't he? He wants us to question the Word of God. Can I really believe this? Is this really what God said? Is this really what God means? Starting with a question. And Satan's question comes as a complete distortion of what God said. God told Adam, from any tree you may eat freely with that one exception. But Satan makes it sound as if they couldn't eat from any tree. That God was somehow so restrictive. One author says God's generosity was perverted by Satan's question to suggest divine stinginess. As if God is somehow not giving you what you really need or want. He's being stingy with you. And so his approach was so subtle that Eve didn't suspect that God's word was being attacked. Just an innocent question. But you see, a seed of doubt in the Word of God was being planted in Eve's heart. And notice her first response was to minimize God's goodness. God had said in chapter 2, verse 16, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden. 
But Eve leaves out the word every, interestingly. Simply saying, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. Verse 2. Her inexact, unenthusiastic rendition of God's word discounted his generosity. Just leaving that one word out. Is she minimizing God's goodness here? And then the second thing she did was to magnify God's strictness. Look at verse 2. The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. If you compare that with what God said, God said nothing about touching it. But she added to that. And so first she takes away from God's word and then she adds to God's word. Her revisionist approach to the word of God put her in a position of great danger. And that is a clear warning to us, isn't it? Revising God's word, either adding to it or taking away from it, puts us in great danger. Tampering with God's Word. That's what we see in in our culture today, don't we? That's what we see in churches even today. Did God really say that the universe was created in six days? How could that be? What does science tell us? What does evolution tell us? Millions and millions of years. And so we question whether God created the world in six days. and, And people go back to Genesis then and try to fit that into the text when you can't do it. Evening and morning, the first day. Evening and morning, the second day. Over and over again. But people question that. Did God really mean that it was six days? How could that be? Or did God really mean that that Adam and Eve were real people? How could that be? That doesn't fit with evolution. That doesn't fit with this whole idea. So they go back into Genesis and try to reinterpret that. Rather than taking God at His word? There's real problems with that if you say Adam and Eve weren't real people. How about this one? Did God really say there was a universal flood? How could that be? That goes contrary to evolution as well. So what's happening is is there's this doubting, this questioning of the word of God, taking something outside of Scripture, trying to put it into Scripture... Instead of simply taking God at His word. So who are you going to believe? The fallible word of men or the infallible word of God? Do you doubt what God says in His word? That's where it starts. Satan tempts us to doubt God's word. The second flaming arrow, missile of the evil one, Not only to doubt God's word, but Satan tempts us then to deny God's word. And once Eve doubted the word of God, Satan had her right where he wanted her to be. So his second arrow then was to deny what God said. And he wasn't very subtle about it, was he? In verse 4, the serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. The Hebrew word order here is significant. The word not is placed first. 
A blatant, in-your-face denial of God's Word. No, that will not happen. You surely will not die. And it isn't, isn't interesting to notice what the first doctrine of Scripture is that is denied here. It is the doctrine of divine judgment. Satan attacked it right from the beginning, and it is still being attacked today, isn't it? You won't die. You won't be judged. You won't go to hell. And you've heard all the denials, haven't you? Such as, my God would never send anyone to hell. Have you heard that one? You know a question we need to ask? What God are you talking about? What God are you talking about? Uh, the, a God of your own imagination? Because that is not the God of Scripture, is it? Judgment is clearly seen. But people say, my God would never send anyone to hell. How about this one? How can you say that Jesus is the only way to heaven? Who do you think you are? Huh? Heard that one before? So you're going to tell me that everybody else who sincerely believes in their God, that they're not going to go to heaven? Is that what you're going to say, you bigot? You... whatever other names they throw at us? That's a denial of divine judgment, isn't it? You shall not surely die. There's other ways. You don't have to come through Jesus. You can do it your own way, as long as you're sincere in, in what you believe. How about this one? Jesus died for the sins of the world, so everyone will be saved. Universalism, that's a denial of divine judgment, isn't it? To say that Jesus died for the whole world, therefore everyone will be saved. That kind of goes in the face of what Jesus said, that narrow is the gate that leads to life, and few, few be there that find it. It's not pleasant to talk about divine judgment. But we can't deny it because God's Word clearly declares it. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23 says. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed unto men once to die, and after that, what? The judgment. This had been about a year ago, I was visiting with two Mormons who came to the door. And I decided I was going to do a little different approach. And so I asked them, I said, how can I get to heaven? And they said, well, you need to follow the teachings of Jesus. I said, what do you mean by that? And so we got into this discussion where, yes, you need to believe in him, but there's some works that you must also add. And so it was a mixture of faith and works. And then I asked them, I said... Do I have to be a Mormon to get to heaven? And they tried to skirt that. They didn't really want to come out and say, you know, right away, yes. And so they kind of... But I pressed them on that. I said, now tell me, do I, do I have to become a Mormon to get to heaven? Well, yes, but you'll get another chance when you die. So if you don't accept our teaching now, when you die, you'll get another chance. And if you reject it then then I guess there's no hope for you. And I quoted to them, doesn't Hebrews 9.27 say, it is appointed unto men once to die and then the judgment? That is God's clear word. And Satan came and said to Eve, you're not going to die. 
you're not going to die. As if you can't really trust the Word of God. So it started with doubting God's Word and then denying God's Word. And then the third missile, Satan tempts us to defame God's character. Satan tells Eve why God forbid them to eat from that fruit. He tells them that God was withholding something good from them, and that's why he didn't want them to eat of that tree. In verse 5, he says, For God knows that in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so what Satan is saying to Eve is, is God is withholding something good from you. He doesn't want you to eat of that fruit, because if you do, you will be like him, and he does not want that. Our Kent Hughes says, God was cast in an ugly light. According to the serpent, the threat of death was nothing more than a scare tactic to keep Adam and Eve in their place. God was repressive and obviously jealous that they might ascend too high. And isn't it interesting that Satan tempts Adam and Eve to fall for the same temptation he did? Why did he fall? Because he said, I will ascend to the heavens. I will make myself like the Most High God. And he was judged. Misery loves company, doesn't it? Satan had fallen in that way, and he was going to get as many as he could to follow him in that pathway away from God. And he began to look then at that fruit differently. Verse 6, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. And so there was a physical attraction to this fruit. It was good for food. There was an emotional attraction to the fruit. It was a delight to the eyes. There was an intellectual attraction to the fruit. It was desirable to make one wise. So she took it. And she gave it to Adam, her husband, and he took it. And the world has never been the same since. Why is there sorrow? Why is there suffering? Why is there death? Right here is the answer. Kenneth Matthews says, The woman listened to the serpent. The man listened to the woman. And no one listened to God. Isn't that the problem? No one listened to God. So what do we see here? We see the danger of not listening to the Word of God. It will ultimately lead to death. You turn your back on the truth of God's Word, the the, the result of that is, is death. Doubting and denying the truth of God's Word, that's the pathway to death. But thankfully, this isn't the end of the story, is it? As we look in the New Testament, we see the second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, 
who did for us what the first Adam failed to do. As our substitute, Jesus defeated the evil one. Ultimately on the cross, but he defeated him in all the temptations that came Jesus' way. Remember the temptation when Jesus was in the wilderness? Very similar to what we see here. Turn these stones to bread, and if you are the Son of God, bow down to me, and so forth. And Do you remember what Jesus did every time Satan brought him a temptation? It's the same thing. He quoted the Word, went back to the Word of God. It is written, and it stands written. He didn't doubt God. He went to the truth of God's Word. He stood on the promises of God, and he quoted Scripture. And one of those verses he quoted was from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, which says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So the question we need to ask ourselves today, am I willing to trust God's Word? Am I willing to stand on the truth of God's Word? Or will I cave in to the temptations around me to distrust Him. Life is found in God's Word. Nourishment is found in God's Word. Victory is found in God's Word. Paul says that the sword of the Spirit is what? The Word of God. We are in a battle today, perhaps like never before. It is a battle for the Bible. It is a battle for the truth of God's Word. In a culture that is rapidly rejecting truth. We've just seen it again, haven't we? We need to stand by God's grace on the truth of God's Word because it really is. Listen to me, it really is a matter of life and death. If you listen to Satan, it will lead to death. If you listen to God you will find life. So don't fall for the devil's schemes. Put your trust in God's Word. You can be certain that there is no word that is more sure than the Word of our God. Let's pray. Father, thank You that we can stand on Your truth today. Standing on those promises standing on those principles, Lord, by which we wage warfare, not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of wickedness, against the flaming arrows of the evil one, against the schemes of the devil. But thank you, Lord, that you have won the victory. We are more than conquerors through you who loved us. Help us, Lord, to stand on your truth today. For we pray... In Jesus' name, amen.